Hello and welcome back to episode four of the Ecom Pod. My name is Dominic Lovell. And I'm Maddie Lukes. So Maddie, what are we going to be talking about today? Today we're going to take a look at Inside Retail's top 50 people in e-commerce, which has been announced, and some of the standout companies and people we like in the space, and also some other highlights that are emerging at the moment in the industry. Great. Well, let's jump in. So tell me, Maddie, who was number one in this list of top 50 e-commerce people? Well, the winner is actually a lady by the name of Julie Mathers, and she is the CEO and co-founder of Flora and Fauna. It's actually really fitting that Julie has taken out number one this year. Flora and Fauna is actually one of the fastest growing businesses in Australia and also the world's largest vegan store. I think obviously COVID has really changed and transformed the e-com landscape and also I think what the judges would have been awarding the winners on this year and also the people's views at large about what's really important now in the industry. And I think Julie really embodies everything we should be caring about in e-commerce in 2021, from things like the environment, diversity in the workplace, um, and also ethical choices through the supply chain, which is something that Julie has done really well with Flora and Fauna in her commitment to those spaces. And on top of that, on top of all of that, she had a baby in May of 2020 in the middle of the pandemic and is still taken out number one in top people in e-commerce. So a really, really huge achievement from her. I think what really stands out from me is not just the customer improvements that she's made with Flora and Fauna and the website itself, including things like loyalty and replatforming and all of those e-commerce foundations, but also I guess what she stands for as a person and her values in the business and how that's really transcending how she runs her business. I mean, you can be sure with Flora and Fauna that it isn't really impacting anything negatively in the business that she's operating. And I think that's something that we should really aspire to when we are, you know, either managing or running e-commerce businesses. And yeah, also inspiring others in the industry in terms of stepping up in their own efforts in the space when it comes to things like sustainability and giving back. And I think, you know, the fact that she has taken out the lead also is a bit of a wake-up call for some businesses out there who don't get their act together in these spaces or start becoming, I guess, more transparent about what they do is that they'll really have difficulty maintaining relevancy in the future of e-com. But yeah, Julie's really showing us how it's done and what a deserving person to take out number one for these awards. Who's number two, Dom? Yeah, so I mean, before we, we jump into number two, it, it's worth saying that Julie 
embodies a lot of what we've spoken about in the, the last couple of episodes, right? In terms of, you know, women in business, women in e-commerce, sustainability, you know, the the growth of behind COVID. And, you know, to have a, a child during, you know, the running of the business then, on top of all of that, I, I know how, how difficult that can be. So, yeah, I mean, a really great success story there. So, yeah, I mean, if we, we do jump to number two, We've got Paul Waddy from The Horse, and, and they've dubbed him The All-Rounder. And, and his story actually goes back to 2007, and he started a, a men's footwear brand called Anton and Stanley. Uh, him and a mate both took their, their middle names and, and created a, a label around that. And so, you know, they had some successful foot products, footwear products that they've uh, come out to the market with, and you know, they sold into companies like David Jones and, and ASOS and, and Amazon and had done really well in, in you know, sort of tapping into, I guess, where they saw gaps in, in the men's footwear space. You know, if you fast forward uh, 10 years, he uh, has, he ended up becoming the operations manager at, at Shopo, interestingly enough, and, and really helped Shopo behind some of their growth and and um, some of their logistics there and then in in 2019 he started his own brand called the horse and so that's a primarily known for their watches uh, but also they sell leather gear as well and you know I think they're really popular for their style and simplicity and so you know I I remember working with a, a startup a couple of years ago and you know, they were looking at, okay, well, what, what do our product pages need to look like? What should our homepage look like? And when I was sitting there with them in their office, you know, they were saying, well, let's load up the horse. And, and they kept on jumping to the horse website and, and would look for inspiration on how to design their site. And so, you know, it, it really is that that's simplicity, but the style behind, you know, the design of, of their watches and, and the, the appeal. And so, yeah, in, in the uh, profile, it, it talks about how Paul's now, as of 2020, developed a, a recyclable toothbrush. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When you think about it, you know, he's, he's gone from footwear to, you know, uh, women's apparel to watches to now toothbrushes. You know, there, there, there's a lot of success that he's had across multiple verticals. So it's, it's quite interesting to to hear and you know he, he's done a lot of interviews recently and so there's you know, if you're interested to hear more about his story you know there, there's a a lot of different things that you can find by googling googling him or adding him to, to linkedin or, or looking um online yeah that's an awesome story i think it it also just goes to show i mean no matter what you sell if it's a watch or if it's a fully recyclable toothbrush if you implement some of those I guess, best practice e-commerce foundations in terms of how you're selling that product. Really amazing things can happen, I guess. Yeah, definitely. And so, Maddie, if we look down the list, I mean, if you were to pick a, a company or two, I mean, what, what of these companies stand out for you? Yeah, another one that stood out to me was the Australian fashion label Age. Georgie Yates is the head of e-commerce there and she came in at number nine in the top 50 this year. And I think Age is, is just a really great example of a brand that has really flourished in the pandemic. 
Obviously, fashion has had a bit of a tougher time than some of the other industries, but age didn't dissolve under the pressure of the pandemic to do things like drop prices, but rather, I guess, utilise content to really talk to what they do. And they actually did a redesign of their entire website in the middle of COVID, which I can imagine knowing what that's like would have would have been a lot, very stressful and they would have been under a lot of pressure to deliver, particularly with the, I guess, in the context of the pandemic and stores being shut and those things like that. But I guess the way in which they've been able to redesign their website to really utilise best practice e-commerce to engage their audience is really impressive. And yeah, the website does look absolutely incredible. It's one we've all been following and amazing work to the team involved in getting that one over the line in the peak of COVID. (laughs) Another brand that stood out to me on the list was actually Temple and Webster, who came in at number 11 with Mark Coulter. And this is, again, a brand that has been massively increasing in popularity over the last few years. And I think the pandemic has really accelerated that, particularly with the movement around the homewares industry in e-com being a huge beneficiary of some of that e-commerce growth that we have seen in Australia. And yeah, Temple and Webster are another brand that have done a really incredible job at owning the space and building loyalty across their consumers. And yeah, you can really see that in things like their reviews on site and also Trustpilot reviews. And yeah, they're one of the one of the best out there in terms of homewares and e-com so it was great to see them in the list as well yeah definitely i mean so if people want to check out you know the aje and and temple and webster i think you know a, a lot of people know as well so we've got lots of temple and webster furniture in in my house my my two young boys have have a bunk that they sleep in every night that's from temple and webster and i'm a big fan of theirs as well yeah doing a great job in owning the market then. (laughs) Uh, In terms of you, Dom, who are you liking on the list that you've seen? Yeah, so I am a big fan of Marley Spoon. So 48 on the list was Rolf Weber, who runs Marley Spoon here in Australia. And so uh, Marley Spoon is a meal preparation kit and you know, the thing that I, I like about Marley Spoon, I, you know, I've I tried a number of them across Australia. There, there's quite a few. There's obviously HelloFresh. There's Marley Spoon. There are a couple of others in the space that have gained popularity. And the reason that I came back to Marley Spoon recently was, you know, they allow you to have a variety of choices. And so companies like HelloFresh, I think they just you know, give you what they have decided that they want to, you know, have as a mass market menu for that week, or at least they did when I, I last tried them. Whereas Marley Spoon actually give you a, a number of choices. You can go in week to week and, and pick what you want across, you know, a whole range of different menu items. And, you know, the, the thing that I found with many of the other meal kits was, you know, the portion sizes weren't great 
So, you know, they would either give you just enough for one meal or almost like not enough for that meal, kind of left you still a bit hungry at the time. Whereas, you know, Marley Spoon really have great portion sizes and, and uh, you know, I, for somebody like myself that might cook a meal and, and have a little bit for dinner and then save some for the next day, you know, that, that really made a difference. And their delivery schedules are, are really great as well. You know, I've, I've had a, a bad experience with some delivery kits in the past where, you know, they come and, and they drop off your item and in, in one instance, you know, came... Um, at 9 p.m. at night and there was no notice and and so the box was sitting there defrosting at my front door all night and and uh, you know all the things in the uh, packet were you know were, hadn't hadn't done well over overnight uh, in the the hot summer night so whereas like Marley Spoon they send you sms's they give you reminders they you know the delivery uh, driver takes a photo to just ensure that you know that you've got verification of where they left it and everything else so they do a really great end-to-end experience in terms of you know well I guess what a what a proper meal kit should do in the space yeah I think it's it's those little things those you know text messages when you get the order delivered that really make the difference between a good and a bad customer experience and I think yeah Marley and Spoon is an example of of a brand that knows that and making sure that they really deliver end to end yeah yeah and so another one that that stands out for me is frank green so that's 28 on the list with elise collat and so this sort of resonates with the sustainability theme that we've spoken about over the last couple of weeks but they actually have smart coffee cups and smart water bottles so i've, I've actually got one of each so the, the smart coffee cup has a, a RFID chip in the lid. So you can carry your reusable coffee cup around and you can bake in your your payment method into the cup. And so when you're ducking out and you want to take your cup to the cafe, you know, you've got the lid there and you can just do the, the tap and pay on the lid and you don't need to worry about grabbing your wallet or anything else and you know, I guess if you're in the office and you just want to run and grab a quick coffee, it really makes a difference. That is so cool. Yeah, and the the water bottle that I have from uh, Frank Green, it has a RFID chip in the top, and you know you can tap it to measure how much water that you've had throughout the day, and and it's got an app that's that's built in and 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 tracks that as well, but. You know they, these products are, are you know really beautiful and and they have a great design behind them and you know it's it's the reusability it's the the functionality of of having those those smart devices built in and and yeah and the sustainability behind them as well so uh, yeah I've I've got multiple Frank Green products and 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 love what they do. Yeah, I think that's an example of again another business that's really tapped into the innovation side and made the customer experience so much easier I mean who would have thought that that would be something that yeah would would be beneficial having that in the cup of the coffee but it makes so much sense (laughs) in terms of other news Dom what else have you seen in other e-com news lately well, you know, I, sp- I spoke about Paul from uh, The Horse and, and, you know, he was ex-Shopo. 
But interestingly, Jane Liu, who's the uh, CEO and founder of Shopo, was put on the list of Sydney's most powerful 100 people, according to Daily Telegraph. And so she was 37. And they talk about the influence that she has from her social followers. And so, you know, Shopo's got 1.3 Facebook a million Facebook followers and 1.7 million Instagram followers, which is which is quite huge um, for an Australian brand. Uh, and interestingly, the the virus COVID was was listed as number one. Scomo was was number two, and Gladys Berejiklian was number three. And so, you know, she ranked a lot higher than a number of other celebrities and and people that you you wouldn't expect and so yeah to be number 37 on the list is is quite interesting and so you know she's she's deemed quite influential in in the sydney circuit what about you maddie i mean what what the other news that we've seen across the e-com space well business of fashion have come out with an interesting take on a old concept the four p's of marketing which a lot of marketeers out there will be quite familiar with. But for those that aren't, in the 1960s, a marketing professor at Michigan State University popularised the four Ps of marketing, which were product, price and promotion. The business of fashion this week have come out with a, I guess, rebranding of these four Ps, with the fact that now with COVID, it's it's no longer about being the best or the cheapest brand or product, but all these additional layers that are required now to market your brand. And in 2021, Sean McDonald, who is the global chief digital officer at an advertising firm called McCann World Group, published an updated version of these four P's that have, I guess, been guiding marketing and the foundations of marketing for decades until now. But those new four P's are purpose, positioning, partnerships and personalization. And I think this redefinition of those four P's is really a self-correction of the market in a way with COVID into a new age where there's kind of a digital brand out there ready to fulfill every consumer need, whatever it may be. And it isn't enough to have the best product or the cheapest product. It's what is the purpose of your brand, meaning how consumers evaluate brands and what, how is your brand positioned in terms of its context to the consumer? Also with things like partnerships, I guess the power of influencers, which as we've talked about previously, Dom, has really kind of paved the way for this new commerce with collaborations that are mutually beneficial um, for both parties and add value and get your name out there for your brand. And also... Probably the most important is personalization, being relevant to the customer, not necessarily, you know, AI tech trying to, through logic and data, personalize what the customer sees, although that is important, but just being relevant to 
what your customer is wanting. Like some of these brands we've been talking about, like Frank Green, Marley Spoon, just being what the consumer needs you to be as a brand and for what you're selling. And I think, yeah, these redefinitions of the four Ps are actually really necessary to help marketeers lead in 2021 and the years to come. So, yeah, that was some really interesting news coming out. But, Dom, you were also telling me earlier about some interesting 2020 stats. What were they about? Yeah, so uh, Pattern or uh, Practicology, as they used to be called here in Australia, are an e-commerce agency and and they've got uh, quite a good team here and and work with a lot of major global brands and and they've actually come out with uh, a number of key stats from from 2020 and so you know some of the things that they mention are a 27 percent increase on traffic year on year a 37 percent increase in conversion a 73 percent increase in revenue which is quite significant but a, a decrease in aov or average order value but an increase in units per order. So I guess, you know, people are buying more, but maybe spending a little bit less than than usual. And as a result, conversions up and, and traffic is up and, and revenue has, has really you know, obviously increased. And so, you know, they break this down and, and talk about a few different things. They talk about, you know, the fact that either organic search or direct are still the main drivers that we you know they saw in in 2020 across all of their customers and so you know seo and sem are still a big strategy that you need to double down on and so you know obviously with people being at home or having more uh, time or discretional time to themselves you know they, they saw a big shift in social and and social traffic, you know, and so people are opting to shop and and associate with their brands via social. And so, you know, whether it be Facebook or, or TikTok, as we've talked about in the past, you know, more and more consumers are, you know, looking at their, their brands online and, and following them. Interestingly, the, the fast-moving consumer goods were winners in, in 2020, so products like health and and uh, and safety products and and you know long life consumable products and and digital streaming services were also doing quite well which as you'd expect were all a result of the pandemic and so what they did see is that black friday and cyber monday you know were key performing sales during the year and so that had a major uptick you know be it across traffic conversion and revenue which you know, I think is gaining more and more popularity in Australia. You know, if you were to look at, you know, Cyber Monday or, or Black Friday, you know, even five years ago in Australia, people would think, well, you know, that's a US holiday or it's, it's US centric kind of marketing. And so, you know, why is it relevant here in Australia? But, you know, more and more people are, are beginning to understand that, you know, that is a key sales driver or a, a key time of the year where consumers can can get you know good deals and so you know people are interested now year on year on on that sort of black friday cyber monday deal that is typically around that thanksgiving period in the u.s 
And then, yeah, and then finally they, they talk about Melbourne's four-month lockdown and how that had a huge growth in online adoption across Victoria. And so they saw that 73% increase across Australia and particularly within Victoria between uh, July and October. And so, yeah, there's no surprises there. Obviously, you know, people are locked down and, you know, particularly Melbourne and and surrounding areas had a hard time with COVID last year. And and so, you know, they're obviously going to be online and, and uh, you know, they need to have those those deliveries and, and they want to be able to do their, their e-commerce shopping uh, you know, directly from home without having any ability to go out and, 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 and shop in, in person. So, you know, quite quite interesting stats, you know, whether you look at the increase in, in revenue year on year or, you know, the fact that, you know, Cyber Monday, uh, Black Friday sales are, are continuing to gain traction year on year. You know, I think it's something to take on board for, for 2021. So, Maddie, I think that ties into the next point that you were talking to me about, right? I mean, that we you were discussing the fact that some companies need to look at 2021 and consider planning and, and look at where they need to benchmark going forward, right? Yeah, definitely. And I think these kind of stats that you're talking to, Dom, are really quite strange in terms of the kind of trends that we've seen in e-commerce before. I mean, to be 73% up in revenue, but 1% back in average order value is really quite strange. I think it, it plays a part into how difficult of a job our planners have in the e-commerce industry to make sure that we're putting money in the right places and and investing in the right amount of stock or investing in the right areas. But in terms of 2021, I mean, we're coming into a time now in, in March where we were comping some really tricky trade during the COVID period. So even though our numbers are going to start to look good coming into 2021 versus 2020, we need to also keep in mind where we were at in the prior year. And there is a lot of scenario analysis being done in the industry against charting those 2019 levels to see, I guess, give a more realistic benchmark of how some of these companies are going to perform going into 2021. But in terms of the state of fashion specifically, as an example, Business of Fashion have revealed that McKinsey and Company, in a report that they've done, actually the recovery could be a little bit slower than expected, particularly for some industries like fashion in Europe, for example. But throughout that, there are bright, spots appearing in some other countries like the US and China. And I think that's also a reason why we're seeing that shift to marketplace being a big opportunity on things like Farfetch and Tmall, with brands starting to focus also more on the US as they are the US are now coming out of COVID. And with Australia as well, I mean, we've been so fortunate compared to the rest of the world in in terms of the COVID recovery. So I think what we'll find going into 2021 is countries like Australia really e- excelling in, in e-commerce, particularly 
in a lot of these areas, but perhaps some other regions really struggling going into 2021 to not only go be up on last year, but also in uh, be up on 2019 as well. And it, it's going to be, yeah, a, a big achievement for those brands that are able to achieve that growth on 2019 and move past the impact that COVID has had on everyone. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, some of the companies that I've spoken to are looking at 2019 to to baseline off and, and not even considering the numbers from 2020 because, you know, they're, they're, it's such an anomaly in terms of, you know, what they normally do or how they need to position their growth over the next few years. So, you know, I guess it's a, it's an interesting time for companies to look at where they need to consider their, their growth lies over the next 12 months and, and beyond. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess a chance for companies to reset in a way as well going into 2021. And yeah, really, I guess, take it as a blank canvas and, and start planning for the future. So with that, Maddie, I think it wraps up the conversation for today. And I, I think we need to congratulate all of the people listed in the, the top 50 inside retail list. And, you know, I think we, there are many more people and companies that we, we didn't obviously go through, but, you know, they are listed online and you can download the report from inside retail. And, you know, it, it's it's really great to see, you know, a number of um, companies and, and not just the, the, the big well-known brands listed there in terms of you know who's doing well and who's successful and you know I think the some of the the things that we were talking about earlier was that you know for for every one of these brands that are listed here there are a number of people behind that brand right it's not just the the person or the face or or the the company but I guess the the whole team that you know should be recognized and, and commended for all of the the great growth that these companies have had. Yeah, definitely. There is so much teamwork behind the faces of these incredible leaders for each of these businesses. So huge congratulations to all. So thanks, Maddie, for the chat and I will catch you again soon. See you then, Dom. Bye.